<laughs> no yeah it was uh he was yeah he was uh well, he might have been because he's 19 i think yes when he went in Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been fun, which is definitely why we enjoy doing our podcast this way and speaking of we uh as you listeners are just joining us now as we just uh transition in uh tonight we have uh mr tom rose joining us uh he has he's written a book called a balloon in a box um and he wrote that after his uh his lovely wife of uh was it 59 years tom 59 years uh sadly passed away back in uh 2019 and he's written this book on on, uh, on how to deal with uh, with grief and in his journey and dealing with that grief and loss after uh, after losing your life partner. Honestly, like we're it's fifty nine years of of love and memory. 
Love and memories. Yep. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. So, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come on uh, our humble podcast tonight and uh, tell your story. And we're we're excited to hear it. <laughs> hey, that's. <laughs> And then I probably, uh, well, my, probably about seven months after she passed away, a paternity brother of mine from Florida called me, wanted to know how I was doing. And I said, oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing it. He said, you know, he said, a friend of mine told me if you uh, write a journal, keep a journal every day, you know, it may help you. So I started doing that. I get up in the morning and I, I sit at the computer and I type in, you know, what I thought that morning. And then at night I type in what happened. Yeah. Um, a couple months after they called me again, wanted to know how I was doing with the thing. And he said, well, send me the notes. I said, well, Doc, and he was the doctor. I said, Doc, listen, they're, they're just words and sentences, not even paragraphs, phrases. And send them to me. I sent them to me, long story short. He bugged me for about a month and I, after he read them that I needed to write a book. He said, they're so raw and you were so honest with your notes. He said, everybody's got to hear it. So uh, Balloon in a Box was created. And again, I thought, a couple other copies and that'll be it and, but I'll be able to say I wrote a book well I think we're getting up to close to 2,000 books now and 61 speaking engagements and like I said 21 or 22 podcasts and radio interviews and TV it's been crazy so uh, that, that, you know that's what happened to an old man when, you know, you know it's, it's uh, going back to what we were talking about kind of before we joined and um, as we were getting on live um, talking to so many different people. One lady that we spoke to had a, a near-death experience and had a very close friend here that she took care of in the last few months of his life um, and, you know, really crushed her and, and what it's like to deal with grief. And she had a near-death experience, believe she met him on the other side. And you saying that 
you think your wife is going to be smiling as we have this conversation, I am so convinced that that would be the case, mm-hmm. um, is the case. And uh, grief is such a a wicked, weird thing to deal with and to process, you know, and and not that your wife's death was beautiful in, in any way, shape, or form, but, but what's come because of that, you know, it it is beautiful, you know, and that's a really, it's a really cool thing to hear of someone taking a really horrible, sad situation and turning it into, you know, something that can be really, really beautiful and really cool. I'll I, I tell you what happens. To, what happened to me, uh, my wife died from breast cancer, but mm. she had breast cancer 2004, 2005, went through mastectomies, and then she was fine. 2017 all of a sudden it came back in the chest wall they told her she had four to six months to live she lived till 2019 and quite honestly until about may of that year of 2019 Mm -hmm. we had things were okay i mean we could go out to dinner we could be with friends she had a a drainage tube in her chest and and so we had to drain that every other day but you know uh, but she was pretty good what you know? So he goes to the hospital anyhow, and they're trying to take care of this tube, and the cancer's starting to spread and all this stuff. And admitted to the hospital, and then it was going to be Plan A, and then Plan B, and then Plan C, and that week, and then all of a sudden, she went in on a Monday. On that Saturday, she said, "I'm done. I just want to go into hospice. I don't want any more poking, prodding, chemo, radiation. Mm. I want anything else." And so on that Monday. The hospice nurse came in and said, well, you got two choices. You can go home or you can stay here in the hospital. I thought she'd want to come home. Of course, she stayed in the hospital. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. See, I understand now. I was a little upset, but I understand now she did that for me. Mm, yeah. She, was in, the, she yeah. was in hospice three weeks. Mm-hmm. If it had been home, I'd have been doing the bedpans and the drugs. and you know. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the hospital. They're all nurses doing this. All I had to do was sit there. I tell people... When I'm speaking, ask everybody to think about think about this. I was there for three weeks. I stayed 24/7. My family would come relieve me in the afternoon, so I could go home, shower, eat, get the mail, do whatever. But I was there 24/7. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read. I just sat there with her. Mm. You sit there and you think. If you put yourself in a room and do nothing but think. 16, 17 hours a day for 21 days. Mm, yeah. Your life changes. You discover things about yourself that eh, maybe you don't really like, you know? Yeah. Uh, everybody's selfish. Uh, that's what I, I mean, I, everybody's selfish to a certain extent. And, it, and it, that's one of the things that came up. My thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, I was selfish. I was selfish. As an example, it was 2018. Sunday afternoon in October, it's beautiful. And the, like I told you, the golf course is to the, to the west of me here, and there's a cemetery to the east. Mm. Beautiful cemetery is a beautiful place to walk, beautiful trees, flowers. The golf course is nice. I'm sitting watching a football game. Bears play somebody. And uh, she came walking out, and she said, let's go for a walk. And I said, nah, go ahead. I'm going to watch the football. Mm. Now, I think about that now. I go, damn! I wish I'd have gone that walk. I yeah. mean, the Bears are going to lose any. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I, why I was going to watch the game, you know. But anyway. yeah, <laughs> those are the. 
that's the kind of thing that, that comes back to, I, that's the one yeah. thing that I just, there's a lot of other things I wish I'd have done. Mm -hmm. I always tell people too that, and I make them do this when I'm speaking, I say, say, I love you. You don't say it enough. You don't say it to your wife, your friends, your kids, your family. You take it for granted. Say yeah. It. And that's interesting that's that you... make a point to say it. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh... I make everybody stand up and say, I love you. And then I point to my son who goes with me and say, see, I got 24 people, 200 people, 80 people to this that I love me, you know. Yeah. He mm -hmm. said, write that down. I'm keeping a total. <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned that because at the end of every one of our podcasts, we make it a point to tell people to do the same thing. Yeah. That's how I how we sign off every podcast is make sure you tell somebody you love them because yes, life yes. is short. Life is short. Got it. Well, hey, life is you're born and you die. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two things but are what certain. What you do in between that counts. Right. One of the things that um, I'm kind of out of because of the book and like I say the book was an accident and everything but I think I know what he wants me to do I maybe should have been doing this all my life maybe it you know uh it took well I was 79 when my wife they maybe it took all those years for me to finally discover what he's I know now when I go out and speak I reach people I see it in their eyes they come up afterwards and we talk you know uh, people come and tell me their stories. Uh, the thing about grief is uh, you can't fix it. Mm. Well, don't try. The only thing the griever needs is for you to listen. Mm -hmm. Just That's all I want anybody to do is li listen to me. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Don't tell me about you. Oh, I knew some guy. He lost his wife and he lost his mother in the same week. I don't really care. <laughs> I cared about me, you know. I lost my wife, you know. I don't care about anybody else at this point. It's really strange. I'll ask you guys, when you go at the funeral home, okay, and you stand there in that line, and you go, what am I going to say when I get up there? Okay. I'm going to say, oh, he was a nice guy, when maybe he really wasn't. <laughs> uh, we had 400 and some people go through the visitation at the funeral home. I heard it all. Yeah. And I try to tell people, there are things not to say. Uh, please don't tell me. God needed her up there more than you needed her down here. Oh, yeah, I'm don't... sorry. God's got a whole bunch of people. I only wanted one. Right. <laughs> uh, right. You know, don't tell me uh, everything happens for a reason. I really don't care what the reason is. Uh, and the worst thing, absolutely, I think the worst thing is to come up and say, how are you doing? You don't want to know how I'm doing. <laughs> no, I'm doing I, terrible, know, but thanks you know, for I asking. Said, yeah, yeah uh, I say, I'm, oh, awful, I'm okay. I must have said that a couple of times. Yeah, when in reality, people, you just want to yeah. be like, I'm not good. I'm doing yeah, actually I, terrible you know, right now. Thank you for making me feel terrible again. Feel, feel one woman, this is God's truth. One woman, 78 years old, one woman came up, put her arm around me and said, Tom, only 78 years old you'll find somebody to share your wife life with jesus murphy i went yeah what are you you know you're right oh my god <laughs> i i know that i know that all the people that said either the dumb things or the nice thing oh man it be nice comforting but they just didn't know how and i didn't know how before i do now i go to a funeral home i just went tried to go a couple of weeks ago to a friend a golf buddy 
passed away and going his wife, but I just put my arm around her and said, I love you. That's it. When you say I love you, you're saying it all. I'm here for you. I'll do whatever. In fact, I told her, I said, don't worry about what people say. Just remember the hugs you get because you're going to need them to get through the next few years. You know, mm. so, you know that's my thing. I, I tell people I'm going to be honest with them. My story, I don't hide anything. I don't hide it from you. My wife died from August to November. I was a wreck. Mm. I was a miserable, self-pitying wreck. Okay? Didn't care about anything. I hid it. I hid it. I went to church and everybody, uh, mm-hmm. I went to church so I could put my hands and pray like this and everybody could say, oh, there's Tom Rose. He lost his wife. I feel sorry for him. I did the pity party pretty good. You know, I that <laughs> uh, oh, it's a cold November night in Indiana. The wind's blowing, sleet, snow, whatever. If you could see my house, it's an open concept, okay? Well, it's actually a villa on the golf course. It's not even a living room, and then there's a bar, an L-shaped bar, with the kitchen and the dining areas over to one side. I sat there on the bar stools and had dinner. And, uh, and like I said, we both cooked, so we'd take turns cooking, and whoever cooked would be cooking. The other person would sit on the stool with their glass of wine, and that time from 5 to 7 in the evening was our time. That's when we talked. So I'm out there doing my dinner this night, had my glass of wine with dinner, cooking dinner, had my glass of wine with dinner, mm-hmm. had my glass of wine after dinner, and there's about two inches left in the bottle, and hell, you know, waste not, what not, right? <laughs> exactly. Glass before of wine man. before bed. <laughs> yeah. So I think I had, to make it worse now, you got to remember, it's cold, crubby, rotten, mm-hmm. got the fireplace going. Just break a whole bottle of wine. Got Frank Sinatra playing on the stereo. Oh, I'm man. really having a good pity party, right? Yeah, good I man. Mean, that's yeah. that's my kind of party. Under I need any to be other, invited to one of those. Under any other circumstances, <laughs> that sounds like a great night. Okay, so I get up and I start. I think I was going to go change the stereo. I can't remember. Put my foot on one of the bar stools. Didn't help. I drank a bottle of wine. I cut my foot and I fall. Mm. Oh, right under. Fortunately, under the carpet in the living room. My wife's favorite saying was, it is what it is, put on your big boy pants and deal with it. Mm-hmm. I'm laying there on the floor, and I'm thinking, God, she'd really be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, you know, she mm-hmm. told, I don't know how many times she told that. Anytime anything went wrong, she'd just tell me that. I remember, I don't think I'd really cried in the three months. I think I'd shed a few tears. Mm-hmm. That night, I sat down in a chair, and it came out in buckets. I cried. Mm-hmm. I remember going to bed and thinking, God, you're going to feel terrible in the morning. Something happened. I don't know. I got up that next morning. In fact, I say the first three months, everything was black and white. I got up that morning, and there was color. The sun was shining. Mm. I suddenly knew what I was going to do. I was going to take grief. I, grief had on. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I was going to do it. Bring it on, grief. I, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And that's where the balloon in the box came. Someone had told me that grief is like a ball in a box, bounces mm-hmm. around when it touches a wall, something comes back if it touches a corner, a whole bunch of emotions happen at the same time and it's hard to deal with. I got to think about it, I said, no, it's more like a balloon in a box. Because if you got a balloon on a string, you want to move it left, it probably wants to stay right. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. You want to move it here, the balloon goes there. So that's my thing. And right now, 
my balloon's tied to my finger here. Mm -hmm. Take it with me. All my memories are in that balloon. Somebody, one of my speeches came out and said, well, if you want to get rid of it, get rid of the balloon. I said, no. You, you know, I said, no, that's for all my memories. That's my whole you life. Can't yeah. You can't get rid of that. You know? Yeah. I'm ready to experience whatever happens when the balloon touches something, you know? Bring yeah. Back a memory. I'm ready. I'll handle it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the thing with the balloon in the box. I like um, that. I, I like that a lot. That's a, that's a great metaphor. Well, it, it and wrap wrapped up in that balloon you know not only is there the grief and her passing and her sickness but there's a lot of beauty in that box too mm -hmm. or in that balloon you know i mean that's 59 years is a long time that's that's yeah. there's a lot of great memories wrapped up yeah. you know and they, and they start when i first met her and and actually last thing she said to me mm -hmm. uh, this is uh they're free three weeks my granddaughter's a singer very beautiful voice and everything and been in a lot of theater productions and stuff and my wife had said well i'm gonna miss hearing joyce or hearing uh amanda sing and i told her i told amanda that she came that night i wasn't there i'd gone home sang for her grandma mm. yes she put a concert on for the hall of the hospital you know they had all mm -hmm. kinds of people anyway now it's, it's three weeks it's the thursday night before she dies all she's had water and drugs for almost three weeks. Oof, I go yeah. back that night. Everybody leaves. You know, they turn the lights down in the hospital about 8.30. She sits up in bed. She's very lucid. Looks at me and she said, we need to talk. Now, when my wife said we need to talk, we need to talk. <laughs> 100%. So she explains. We talked about some things. She explains to me that don't forget it's a closed casket. I said, yeah, you want everybody to remember the way you're not, not the way I understand. Mm -hmm. I want all the videos and all the pictures and all that stuff at her home. I said, there's a green bag in the closet, and that's what I want to go. And I said, okay. I found the green bag. What it was was two cookbooks and a couple articles and stuff about us being on TV and stuff. That's all she wanted. Anyway, so I'm holding her hand. And she looks at me. She said, I love you. Mama, I'll see you in church. She zinked me right at the end. That's what we did to each other. I have to go to church because that's the last thing she said to me. You know, and, and, and you're smiling, and, and I'm glad you're smiling. I had a lady come up to her angry that I laughed about that. I, I, she said, you can't make a joke. And I said, ma'am, I'm not making a joke. And I said, I'm sharing with you something that makes me smile, mm -hmm. <laughs> make me happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, not, oh, she said, oh, she was just very upset. And then she finally got, I said, understand, my wife and I zinged each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, she got the last one in, which really makes me mad. Except, <laughs> except I'm saving one. You know, when I get up there, I got yeah. one for her. You got I'm one saving. and we got one ready. I got one. <laughs> uh, see, things happen when you said that thing about the memories. And, and it was, uh, I think it was the, uh, what was the first Thanksgiving? It was a couple of weeks after I had my epiphany, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the kids said, uh, "Dad, uh, we're going to make everything for Thanksgiving except you take care of the turkey because that's what you always do." Okay. So, and they always came to my house because we had the bigger place. So, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm there and I got the turkey on Thanksgiving Eve and I'm stuffing that bird with the fruit and herbs and all the stuff I put in it, and I tie the legs. And I need a finger on it. 
tie that knot, make it tight. Mm -hmm. She's not there. I start laughing and I start crying because that was our Thanksgiving joke almost every year. She'd put her finger there and she'd say, who helped you tie your Boy Scout knots? <laughs> and we'd laugh. My wife was a brunette, brown-eyed brunette. And I think one year I told her, I said, I think it was a little blonde, blue-eyed blonde. I think I got a dish right side of the face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of, you know, I know there's yeah. people, people are, uh, maybe not friends, but people that knew us thought we probably hated each other by the way we treated each other sometimes well i mean we did each other those are the hallmarks uh, of a good relationship though the fact that you can zing each other and then there's still the love behind it and at the end of the day you know it's all just jokes yeah i've got a word that i can't say on the podcast we don't always say but she called me she called me something that's not really nice but it was it was lovingly well every anything goes on this podcast tom so if you want to let it if you want to let it fly that's oh, you. Well, she called me an asshole a lot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey. She'd say it with a smile on her face. Of course. Of course. If they, like, if in fact, they... I signed my birthday cards and anniversary cards they age because that's the only way she'd do it. <laughs> that's fantastic. I love that. Like, if, uh, they don't, if they're not calling you names, then they don't actually care about you. That's exactly right. That's exactly... Uh, it's been a journey, guys, that mm-hmm. uh, never expected to take. Yeah. Sure thing is, when you get married, normally, I mean, you know, the guy's going to go first. That's a given, you know. Uh, I think women know that when they get married. I think there's a little thing in the back of their brain that say, oh, this guy's not going to be around forever. <laughs> <laughs> because what I have found is, uh, I told maybe, what, 2,000, 2,500 people now I've spoken with, too, mm-hmm. uh, and talked to about 1,000 of those people afterwards. I find that women are much more prepared. Hmm. Women can women can be alone easier than men. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that was the toughest thing for me was the loneliness. Yeah, um, I, I find that when I talk to people, I talk to guys, I talk to women. The only thing the women always uh, tell me was they weren't prepared to take care of the bills if the husband took care of everything. The financial end of it, the, she yeah. said I wasn't prepared for, but she could do everything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those are interesting. I had a lady, you know, I just said I, my black period was three months. The lady came up to me two weeks ago after one, after speaking, she came up, she gave me a big hug, said, thank you very much. I said, what? She said, well, she said, you just led me into my epiphany. Oh, wow. I did. She said, yeah, I've been in a black period. I said, how long? She said, 12 years. I said, oh my God. Wow! I, I, I said I wouldn't be here. Mine would have been twelve years, you know. Yeah, That's I'd have rough. just sat in the chair and died. I wouldn't have killed myself. Yeah, I died from you know, giving from up. The, yeah, all the stuff, you know. Um, and then it, it's just, it's just so neat. I don't. I can probably tell with my hands here. <laughs> I like to move around. That's right. Yeah, the same way. When I give a talks and stuff. Uh, I don't stand behind a podium. I walk out because mm-hmm. I like to look in people's eyes. I see the story. Uh, one of the things I always like to do, especially with small, I just had a group of eight people in my house. That's a, uh, not was 12 people uh, from a church. That's a grief group. Mm. I didn't necessarily give my speech. We just talked like we're talking. Now. One of the things I always do, and I ask you guys, uh, tell me about your first date. My first date with my wife 
was um, we had known each other through friends and neither of us were really looking. I mean, we were both obviously kind of looking because we were on a date with each other, but neither of us really thought it was going to materialize into anything. And I remember leaving that date thinking, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Life's, <laughs> life's about to change because I'm in trouble with this one. She's, she's going to get her hooks into me. <laughs> and uh, we got married last November. So we've been together okay. a little over three, almost, well, almost four years now. Yeah, yeah it has been almost four years. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, you, but you smile. And it's a good memory, right? Oh, it's great. And your relationship with your wife, um, granted, we're nowhere close to 59 years, but the amount of times my wife and I either flip each other off or call each other a bad name <laughs> out of total love and with a smile on our face is or have we were out. Oh, yeah, we were out laying, laying mulch today, and I don't think we flipped each other off today, but uh, we just have fun together, you know. That's we're right. we're That's best what friends. That's all about. What it's all yeah. about. My, well, I'm divorced, so my first date with my ex-wife is not a story for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but, but it makes you smile. That's my point. Well, yeah, that one, that one does. You can laugh about it. I can laugh about it now for sure, and I can. Yeah. Uh, while you've been talking um, and you're telling everything, I uh, I can relate to the grief side of it because when her and I went through our divorce. It was not my decision to do it. Um, and so at that time, it felt very, I, I did. I lost, um, I lost, you know, my best friend at the time and all that. So I, I can empathize for sure with the same type of feelings, maybe not, you know, the exact same degree, but I, I can empathize with those same feelings because it was a kick in the gut out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to say this, and if it gets out there and she hears it, I don't really care. But on, I, you know, after it was all said and done, and, you know, it's been down the road, we were on probably at least two to almost three years of being divorced. I dodged a bullet in the end with that. So it, it has all worked out for the best. But at the time, it was gut-wrenching. And I was in that black period for um, oh, probably a solid three months or so. Where, like you said, everything was just gray. There was no color. I had no, I was depressed. I had no motivation to do anything. Could barely pull myself out of bed to go to work. Um, and thankfully, I found, I found um, an amazing therapist at the time that got me through it. And journaling, like you did um, okay. with yours, to turn, in, to turn into a book. Now, I didn't write a book about it. <laughs> I probably will never write a book about it. But uh, the journaling helped a lot. Um, cause that, and that's something that I've kept with me, um, is that sometimes when you just can't get the things in your head straight or can't verbalize them, that writing it down on paper helps so much to keep, to just get things out that you need to get out. And then, like you said, when you had finally had that first like cry afterwards, that's probably about the same time that like when I finally had that like huge sob while we were going through everything that just kind of like, that's when I was like, all right, I can let go now. Like everything is, I've, I've sat with it now and now it's out. Interesting that you say that is there's a program in our community that where I spoke, it's called light living in transition every day. And it's for 
leaving people or from spouses, from children, it's for, from drug rehab, getting out of jail, mm. all of these things, and divorces. Mm -hmm. He used my book for a brief session. He had 12 people, and I just went down about the second one to just sit back and I wouldn't, I didn't speak. Uh, he introduced me, but I sat back in the corner and just listened. Mm -hmm. and, and my book, one of my chapters in my books is on feelings. So he said to the group, he said, okay, tonight we're going to write. They were journaling. He said, tonight we're going to write. We're going to write three minutes. Write down how you feel. Mm. They got done, and he read his, and then he asked if anybody liked to read theirs, and a couple of people read it. But I was totally fascinated by the fact there was a gentleman who had lost his wife. He stood up and read his. There was a gal that was catty corner across the table, away from him, got up, and she was divorced, and she read hers, and they're almost identical. Mm -hmm. If you'd have listened to them, you'd have thought they sat beside each other and cheated. And that's when it sunk into me what she said. I thought, here's this lady. She's not grieving over the guy she lost. She was grieving over the lifestyle or the life she lost, the yep. things that, you know, mm -hmm. the couple's doing. You know, she was grieving on over all that. Yeah. And, of course, and the guy's grieving over the loss. Of, but I, I did. I said, I told them both afterwards. I said, did you guys all get together before and write this, and then you're going to read them? Just but I said, no. So it's kind of interesting when yeah. you see. I, I, when I speak to it, I always say, you know, this is about my story with my wife. It's not anybody else's story about their spouse or their mm -hmm. child. That's the other thing I can't say. I understand losing a spouse. I cannot in any way, totally, no way, understand losing a child. Yeah. yeah I, That's beyond my comprehension. I don't even want to try to imagine that, like, oh. at all. Oh. I couldn't. And I, I don't have any kids right now, but I'm very close with Alex's bonus daughter um, and some oh. of my other friends' kids, and I would not be able to have the like comprehend the amount of grief that would they would feel if god forbid something happened but uh, it would be close it would be very close I, it, you know I, I could say i met people with all kinds of losses and things mm -hmm. uh, i would talk we were talking about first dates that's in my book <laughs> first dates like four pages um i was going the gal had just gone back to college and I thought we were in a serious relationship I actually met my wife with a group of people on the weekend and I I didn't even I didn't pay attention I didn't know she you know I just met her she was there mm -hmm. I was in this serious relationship well that Tuesday I got a dear Tommy letter <laughs> oh. you know I guess I wasn't in a, oh, I wasn't wow. in as serious a relationship as I thought <laughs> and, uh, that Wednesday uh my friends called me and said, uh, Ray, we're going to the, uh, I told you I live about 20 miles from South Bend, Notre Dame. So mm -hmm. they said, we're going to the movie in South Bend and out for pizza afterwards. Why don't you get a date? And I said, oh, I got a date, you know. <laughs> Ugh, I just he got said, a letter. Well, call, call that Joyce uh, gal that we met at the thing. I said, oh, she want to go out with me. I said, yeah, I think she would. I said, no, 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 I'm not going to. Well, about 15 minutes later, the gal called me back. And she said, I called her. She'll go out with you. I said, okay. <laughs> Leave well, it now, to the friends. I, I uh, called her, and she said, yeah, I'd love to. I am a new, he's gotten a new car at a, a Plymouth. I can't remember what they call the stick shift, a little car. 
or six of us going, and I had a new car, so I'm going to drive. So mm-hmm. four, four people in the back and two people up front. But, so I go to pick up the guys, and and we stopped at the one house, and he said, hey, we got plenty of time. Let's have a beer. I want to show you what I'm doing to my car. So we go out, and we all have a beer. Get in the car, we pick up our dates. I drive to Elkhart, which is between Goshen and South Bend now. Mm-hmm. Pick her up. I don't know what she looks like. I swear to God, I, I couldn't remember what she looked like. I don't know what I'm dating. You know? <laughs> so I go up, I ring the doorbell, and her mom comes. And our front porch, that was an old house. They had a big old front porch, and the mm-hmm. stuck out about an inch and a half. I catch my toe when I'm stepping up. I fall right in her mom's arms. Oh, no. Big beer on my breath. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm oh going, oh no! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we go in, and her mom doesn't say anything. When her dad's sitting there, and he just kind of in a chair, he just kind of looks at me. <laughs> she said, "Joyce, dates here," and she comes out. Now here's this brown-eyed, beautiful gal in this yellow. It's summertime, yellow mm-hmm. sundress. You know, oh man, blue. <laughs> I don't remember her from the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, we, uh, we leave. Oh, we get in the car and we drive to the movie. She's real quiet. She doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. We go out to the movie. After the movie, we go to the pizza place. And when we come out of the pizza place, one of the guys says, hey, can I drive the car? They could sure you can drive the car. No, I get to be in the back seat. <laughs> or yeah. Or really close, right? Yep. And we're parked on the street side. So I open up the back door and I let her in first. She goes in, then I get in, and then the other couple gets in behind me. We are uh, about six blocks from the theater. Now, this is 1961, okay? They're all smoking, you know. Yeah. She uh, had the windows down. I didn't have air conditioning. The windows down, and all of a sudden, are you ready? Yeah, he yells, Unzip my dress. Oh, I, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> the I guy driving, I a guy driving the car almost up the curb. Yeah, she <laughs> flipped a cigarette out the window, came in, and went down the back of her. Dress. Yeah, oh, I no. knew. I, yeah, that's I exactly. Get my hand, <laughs> I get my hand, I'm between, I'm, excuse me, I'm behind her slip and the mm-hmm. cigarettes between the slip and her dress. And her dress. So I got a hold of a cigarette, burning my hands. We get out of the car. If you can picture this, we're standing on a street corner, <laughs> South Bend, Indiana, under the street lights, with me with my hand down the back of her dress. <laughs> oh, no. One of the other it gals. doesn't look good. Wow. Oh, you would think that would be the end of it, right? Right. No. Get in the car and we drive and get to her house and her door we go in mom and dad are still there watching tv and she's insisting that she get because i burned my fingers really bad Mm. she's insisting she gets something put in my fingers and so she goes to the bathroom and she comes back out and she puts the salve on everything walks me to the door gives me a little kiss on the cheek i really had a good time thank you she turns to walk i said oh she said, what? And I said, you should explain to your mom and dad about the cigarette because your dress is still unzipped. 
<laughs> Swear to God, that was our first date. How we ever got after that, I don't know. But our parents ever let me back in the house. Ah. <laughs> Oh, but I, you know, I, I can tell the story. I can, we laughed about it. Mm-hmm. Laughed about it for years. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It's a great story. I, I love tell it. Tell me great stories. I always say about your wedding. And one couple said, dropped the ring, and they leaned over, both leaned over at the same time to pick up the ring, cracked their heads, almost mm-hmm. knocked her out. They had to stop the ceremony. She had to sit down. You know. <laughs> That's what I try to make people do. I try to make yeah. people tell me your happy stories. Tell me, you know, tell me something, you know, that, that makes you laugh. Yeah. Something, something in your in your life that you know, and that, and hang on to that, you know, grab mm-hmm. onto it and go with it. So, well, and that's that's part of the the double edged sort of grief I feel like because without all the happy times, the grief wouldn't be so deep. You know, if yeah. if you had spent a a, a fifty nine year marriage just you know miserable and just thinking oh, what am I doing here, you know, yeah. but now it's gosh, it's been 50 years, you know, I'm, I can't go anywhere now, you know, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be so bad. But when you have all those beautiful times to look back on and, and it is so happy, it, it makes the other side of the coin hurt even more, you know. Yeah. I, I can still, like I say, when, when I held her hand in a hospital, I felt her pain, mm-hmm. her pain in her hand. Um, I would sit there and think, God, why are you doing this? Yeah. I know now why. Made me a better person, much better. I wasn't a bad person before, okay? <laughs> but I tell you what, guys, I'm a hell of a lot better now than I was. Yeah. yeah. I see I see things in people, um, relate with people. I talk. One of my friends said, since your wife passed away, your conversations are much deeper, more thoughtful. I'm thinking, oh, I must have been talking before and not saying anything. <laughs> now I'm saying something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those, it's just, it's really hard to explain because yep. you, you have to be me and know me mm-hmm. inside to know what changed. And like I say, you sit and think all those hours for 21 days, you know. You really think of, you know, um, I am I'm happy that when my time comes, I meet him, meet the maker. I can look at him and say, hey, God, I used the last years you gave me, whether or months or time. If it's mm-hmm. months or 20 years, whatever it is, I used it because I'm going to get to use it now. Yeah. Uh, my, my book is giving me that opportunity. And that's, In fact, yeah. I, just, I just finished last night. Um, I self-published it the first time. I now have a publisher. Mm. What he wanted me to do was go back, and my sons helped me. We've gone back and updated things mm-hmm. we've learned and people we've experienced and i also uh <laughs> since i wrote that book i think i'm an author now so i wrote a novel <laughs> good for you that's all, that's Sounds amazing though. i like so, that uh and, and it uh, i've gotten some nice reviews you know i'm um, one mm-hmm. guy said uh, i was really i really enjoyed it but 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 he's still an amateur and i said yeah i'm an amateur only that's the first book i ever wrote right um and it was fun um, it was interesting, and what I did was uh, I created the story, and I knew what was going to happen. It's a mystery. It's, a, it's called The Secret is in the Pasta. Mm. It takes place in an Italian restaurant. Uh, it looks like at first that it's a simple 
murder or robbery murder type thing mm-hmm. in it. It just keeps building, which is easy. The story's a really easy thing. Hard thing is the characters. Mm. You have to give these characters personalities and things. Mm-hmm. And that's the difficult thing. And I finally figured out how to do it. How many people do you know? That's the people you're going to be in yeah. your book. It may not be the same name. And it may not be the same job. It may not even be the same gender. But those personalities you put in those people. And I wrote it in the first person so that the detective in the book is probably me. <laughs> My <laughs> ultra ego, okay, much, young, much younger. Uh, I lost my wife. In the book, he loses his wife, not to breast cancer. He loses his wife in an automobile accident. Mm. Then I can give him my emotions, mm-hmm. give him my feelings. So, so in the book, he's trying to solve a murder. He's trying to forgive the guy that killed his wife in an automobile accident. And there's a woman that he's kind of liking. You know? Oh. So he's torn, you know. So all those three things are going on in the book. Well, you know, so it was fun, and yeah. it's doing okay. Yeah, well, I think I'm, shoot. I think I'm going to write a. <laughs> I think I'm going to write a sequel too. I left it open at the end so I can mm. write sequels. Well, it you've referenced it a couple times, and it it makes me think of the quote, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote. A, a lot of man's greatest fault is the abil- the inability to sit or in a room alone with his thoughts, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I butchered that, but you're pretty close. You're pretty close. Yeah. There, there's so much truth in that. And, and it sounds again, I, I do not want to reference your wife's death in any sort of way that's positive whatsoever, you know, just the, the outcomes following that. But it, it it sounds, and especially you being a spiritual guy, that that God gave you sort of that opportunity to take something broken and turn it into something beautiful, and that's what you've done. And that's that's a really, uh, I say this to like every podcast guest. I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast, and I'm you know I'm trying to like make you sound like oh Tom, great job, you know. But that really is a a very beautiful thing. A, a lot of people can take that sort of situation and and just sit in it and just not do anything with it but but taking the opportunity that was presented to you as horrible as it may be and turning it into something beautiful the more that you talk the more i'm just i'm i'm i I really have a lot of respect for you that's the Um, whole premise that's the whole premise wish you guys were close so you could come to this thing at the theater to say life continues embrace the changes and what we're doing is we're going to talk about what we've talked about, you know, and we got some more stuff. We go in there about reinventing yourself and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to have people there that, that's what I tell people. But people say, well, I can't write a book. You don't have to write a book. What, Something what was else. your wife's favorite charity? Oh, was it? Well, then join that, help that charity out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find something to do in her honor. Okay. Yeah. Now make make it her honor. Say I'm going to do this because of her or because of him. And so that's what we're going to do with this thing. We're going to have people there to help people. Okay, hospice groups going to be there. Want to help our hospice here? There's the people about that. Uh, the Goshen, the hospital is going to be there. You want to be a red coat at the hospital, you know, and help people. And the, uh, there are all kinds of opportunities for for Tom Roses at 82 to do rather than sitting in a rocking chair and mm-hmm. watching television. 
Mm. Oh, there are all kinds of things, and that's what I've learned in talking to people. Uh, there's a group called Aging Connections, and they're, they're all going to be there. There's like 20 different organizations for elderly people to get involved, to do things. Mm -hmm. You want to help kids? You want to help at the school? You want to help kids learn to read? Go down to the school and say, hey, you any kids that need to be mentored? Well, that's the whole premise of what we're going to do at the theater. And to say, hey, you know, we know you're all, we know you're grieving. We know everybody's grieving about something. Um, the, the other thing, people, uh, empty nesters, when all of a sudden all the kids are gone mm -hmm. and the couple's in their late 40s and they're all standing there looking at each other, what the hell do we do now? <laughs> well, you know, if you're you know, my parents, you buy you know, a boat and leave. <laughs> well, you know what? 47% of those people get a divorce. Mom, That's you're shocking, fine. Do you say that? Do you say 47 or 27? Mm -hmm. 47. 47. 47. At, holy cow. That's the reason for divorce. I shouldn't say that's, you know, not every, you know. Of course, that's the yeah. the reason that's given their divorce. Because they don't, they lose touch with each other on the, when they got the kids, you know. Mom's taking, doing this, and dad's taking the kids to soccer practice and baseball practice and everything. And, you know, they get the kids fed, and dad goes in and falls asleep in front of the TV, and he's got to get up the next morning and go to work, and mom starts in again. Taking the kids to school and picking mm -hmm. them up, you know, just it's a crazy life, you know. Yeah. Well, and if you're my parents, sudden, once the empty nest hits, they just buy a boat and leave. That's a good. That's great. I love that. <laughs> they're I they're buy that. they're buying a boat and they're saying see ya. They downsize each time one of us left, and then now they're yep. ready to get a get a boat and get out of there. What you got to do? Life, life, just life goes yeah. on. Life continues. Mm -hmm. When. You know, I, and it and life happens so fast, you know. Oh um having having a seven year old, um, not, not biologically mine, but um my wife's ah. and obviously treat her like she's my own she, bonus daughter is what I call her. You know, yeah. life happens so fast. And I I was actually on the way to the gas station today thinking, you know, like spending a day with my wife, like working on the yard, laying mulch and stuff. I was trying to remind myself one day you're going to think about these times like these are the good old days, you know, so you have to. And it's hard. It's hard to slow down in the moment, but you, you have to because we're only here for, you know, a certain amount of time. The only thing that's guaranteed is we're born and we die. And that's and that's it. And we pay taxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Birth, death, death, and taxes. And, taxes. Right? <laughs> uh, and, and 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 surprisingly enough, I like my turkey and the string story. That, mm -hmm. That's mine. It's a precious story. Somebody else is going, oh, <laughs> big deal, you know. You tie the string on it, you know. But yeah. and, and you're talking about laying mulch, or you're talking about something that happened with mm -hmm. your kid, you know, uh, that may not be significant at the time, but. Somewhere down the road. One day, one day it's going to be the one thing that you latch on to. My wife has started watching this. I don't know if either of you are familiar. Uh, Maria Kondo. She's like a like a tidying up lady. Like people, they she's minimalist. Some sort of oriental descent. I don't. Uh, maybe Chinese or Asian. I'm not sure. Anyway, I, it was an. I'm not that big of a fan of the show, um, but it's a show my <laughs> wife watches. And I, I, I shouldn't say that, Kristen, if you're listening, it, watch the show, you know. Um, but um, I was laying in bed. Later. 
I was laying in bed watching the episode the other night as she's kind of drifting off to sleep and the episode was a wife that had lost her husband and they're like in their mid fifties and uh, she's cleaning out the clothes from his closet and I'm bawling and she's basically asleep and <laughs> I'm trying to hide my tears because I don't want her to see me crying at this stupid show. And uh, the next morning at breakfast, I'm like, I it, it just struck such a chord with me because you're not allowed to go before I do. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I have to go first. You're, you're not allowed to because I just don't think I don't know how I'd be able to do it, you know. And and I'm blessed to say that, you know, because she is my best friend and I love her dearly. Um, but at the same time, I just that level of grief, I just don't know that I could do it. You know, yeah. it. When you said time. Again, I'm 82 years old. I'll be 83 in November. Oh, November birthdays. Let's go. May 1st. I'm on the 12th. Uh tell you what happens days are very slow or long months and years fly by yes. i know that sounds strange oh my but my days are seem like they're particularly in the evenings again the loneliness that's in i there's nothing on, i'm sorry there's nothing on tv anymore so yeah, yeah. yeah. that's why that's why an idiot like me writes a book what the heck you know <laughs> Uh, I guess I can't watch TV. I'll just write a book. Write a book. Uh, yeah, because back in it, when I wrote Balloon in a Box, my friend talked me into writing it. I spent a month every night writing a page or two. And then mm -hmm. I thought, since you're an author, it has to have big words. <laughs> so you go to the thesaurus and change the words, right? Yeah. And you get up the next morning and go, who the hell wrote that? <laughs> That's not me. Who's this guy? Oh, I finally, I honestly, I finally went like sitting right here. My glass of wine after dinner was about 8.30. Down here and I thought, okay, write it like you would talk to three guys. Okay? Write it, write like, it as Tom. Write it that way. And mm -hmm. I started in, all of a sudden it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh. I had page after page. But I, I did two things. Number one, I didn't worry about spelling. Number two, I didn't worry about punctuation, and I didn't worry about whether it was a paragraph or whether this was a chapter. I just wrote it. Mm -hmm. And then I took that, and I went back and got my notes, mm -hmm. journal, and I started putting those in there and creating chapters. It, but it was so easy that way. Yeah. Because it was all there. I'd already done it all. You know? It was just a matter of kind of organizing. Right. Uh, oh, and the same thing when I did the novel. I thought, what the heck, you know, let's do it. I wrote the story and then I tried to fill the characters in, which mm -hmm. took forever. Create them. So, I know excuse me, some of my friends read it, they can probably find themselves in there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, a lot of your balloon in a box book, a lot of that does come from your notes from your journal. You said yeah. Oh, yeah. that that has to be a very vulnerable type of situation because um, I'm I've especially in tumultuous parts of my life, I've kept a journal as well um, that I don't want anybody to read ever. Um, hopefully when I die, the computer that they're written on gets thrown into a, a burn 
pit or something. I got you, know. you, Alex. Don't um, tell me the passcode, and I will throw it in the incinerator for you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. How, what was that process look like? I mean, that that has to be a very vulnerable type of experience. Those notes, those notes no longer exist. Mm. Uh, and again, I'm honest with people when I speak. I tell them about falling down. I tell them about, you know, you know, tell them about those things. There are some things in there that I wrote in my notes that only my friend in Florida read, and I kind of forgot they were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have probably taken them out before I sent them to uh, One of the things, one of the things that really, uh, really got, really had to think about was I, when I was cleaning the house, after my wife died, I found her diary. Mm. She kept through a few weeks before we got married. She didn't keep it anymore. There are some notes in there of hers that I read. Maybe I shouldn't have. Mm. Um, and there are some of those things that when I was journaling, so to speak, I maybe thought about something like that, and those were in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say fortunately, not unfortunately, really, my, my friend in Florida died. So uh, what he read went with him. I hope, <laughs> I hope we didn't publish it down there someplace. And I don't mean that to laugh. And I mean, no, yeah, I know. It, yeah. uh, I'd have to be calling him and saying, hey, doc, you, please. <laughs> I know I was in there. Don't tell him. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, one of the things, you know, you just talked about your wife being your best friend. I you're not going to believe this either. I'm writing another book, and it's called Love. <laughs> it's kind of like Balloon in a Box, okay? Uh-huh. I, I don't know whether I'll write it. Let's put it this way. I'm putting it's, stuff in the computer. So something is yeah. working there. One of the things that I started to think about, my wife. Yes, we loved each other. Yes, we were best friends. Yes, we were partners. Were we soulmates? Now, I, you don't have, to have a successful marriage, you and your wife don't have to be soulmates. She doesn't have to know everything that's deep inside of you. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know everything that's deep inside of her. Only thing's important is that you love each other and you enjoy being with each other. Now, if you are soulmates, that's fine. I find it hard to believe that there are too many couples who are really soulmates. Mm. I'm sure that wife's girlfriend, best friend, mm. knows more about what's really deep inside her than you do, or than I did. I know my wife didn't know a lot of things that are deep inside of me. And again, not necessary for a successful marriage. We proved that. I mean, for right. many years. And she did not, you know. Um, and that never came until I started thinking about it, you know, because people say, you said it, my wife's my best friend. Well, is she your soulmate? Do you tell her everything? No, you don't. <laughs> you got. You just said you had some stuff written here what anybody to read. So oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Apparently, no. you, apparently you haven't told her those things. <laughs> so, Tom's trying to get I, you in I, trouble. I think, yeah, I think that's, I just think that's interesting. 
Yeah. Interesting thing to think about love and being a soulmate. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my thing is you don't have to be somebody's soulmate. Yeah. Have a marriage. No, not at all. If you do, it's fine. If you do, it's fine. Right. I saw something not too long ago, a couple of days ago, actually, um, that was like, yeah, your soulmate's not always the person that you marry. Your soulmate could be your best friend. It could be, you know, anybody else. It honestly could honestly be your freaking dog if it needed to be because you tell your your dog everything. Who's he going to tell? That's right. He's going to sit there and give you a... down in secret. (laughs) Yeah, when I'm asleep, he's back there on scratch paper. Um, (laughs) But you're going to, you know, you tell the dog everything. He'll give you a freaking lick on the face and then you're, you know, you feel better and he had a conversation with you and so he feels good too. But yeah, the, the thing of it was your soulmate doesn't have to be the person you marry it could be you know, anyone i have a soulmate i'm i've got some good friends and i've told them certain things but i don't mm-hmm. think i've ever told anybody what's clear down you know way down inside me yeah maybe god i, I don't know <laughs> yeah and i i think that that's a really interesting term and my my brain is wrapping trying to digest <laughs> it. around that trying to trying to digest it and, uh, you know, I, I, I think, like you said, I don't think that they they have to be. And I think one of the things I enjoy most about my wife is she doesn't feel like she needs to be. You know, I, I don't I don't think that I necessarily have a quote unquote soulmate, you know, that I was like put on this earth to marry this person. You know, I, I, I don't think that was it for me. And uh she she gives me that space to be my own person and she's always there for me but at at the same time i i you know i could sit down with that journal all of those pages uh, that i've written and i could read them and she'd say okay let's let's get into it but she doesn't we don't have to yeah, you know yeah. which is a a beautiful part relationships are so it's a, i was 33 three when i got married um and had been through a handful of relationships before and and definitely knew what didn't work you know and uh when you find one that does work you know pretty quick especially a little bit you know in mid 30s or or whatever at least for myself you you learn quick how to coexist and how to love somebody yeah you know and that's I think that's was, kind of the name of the game. I was damn lucky. <laughs> so yes. I, yeah. Yeah, I really was. Well, I... Uh, because uh, early on, she could have said, I couldn't get rid of this guy because he's worthless. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I think any of our wives could have said that about any of us at one point in time. Right. <laughs> Probably. I think my with my experience, I think that the, the reason that you know that was my first one was because i have typically always learned lessons the hard way so i think that one was you know this is your trial run it's gonna it's gonna hurt and it's gonna suck at you know when it comes crashing down but you're gonna learn a lot and i did i learned a lot um through that whole experience which is gonna help me later whenever whoever's next comes down the pipeline who knows when that Uh is i don't i'm out just having you know we're just living when that when the time comes the time comes but uh yeah that i think my first go around was my was my one free trial 
And I hope you uh, know that all this stuff you're telling me is going in my book on love. That's fine. Run it up. <laughs> you have because that's where things. That's all. Uh, but yeah, I think this yeah. fascinated me when I when I got the soulmate thing. I don't know where I came. I went all of a sudden. Well, no, he wasn't my soulmate. I heard somebody say that you know about mm -hmm. their a couple. Uh, no, my wife and I weren't soulmates. I know that she had stuff deep down in her she never shared with me. I didn't. Wouldn't have pushed her to ask her for it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not wasn't necessary. You know, so I I've heard people I heard younger couples say, "Well, I have to you know you don't have to be you don't have to know everything." It's mm -hmm. it's funny you bring up the term younger because I remember dating the girl that I dated in high school, thinking that this was my soulmate. And and now I'm so glad that I am not with that person. You know, um, I, I feel like that's almost I don't want to call it a fantasy because I think maybe some people do feel like they were put on this earth and maybe in the cosmic being of the creator putting us all here, maybe he really does choose people, you know, to be together. I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I, I feel like that's almost kind of like a fairy tale type term you know I, mm -hmm. I don't think that's real one of my yeah. favorite sorry i'm rambling one of my favorite <laughs> quotes comes from a really dumb movie um the movie's called zach and miri make a porno it's it's a really <laughs> kind of comedy but one of the things he took tom uh, off guard with that one he wasn't ready for that yeah, title okay. <laughs> well it's not yeah exactly it's it really is it, it it really is kind of a a beautiful movie in the way that they they talk about love and and they're they're doing kind of candid interviews of everybody and one guy they're asking him if he married his dream girl and now of course this is scripted and acted and everything but he says I didn't marry my dream girl my wife isn't my dream girl cuz she's real mm. she's she's perfect for me because she's real and, and and that has rang with me I don't again such a crazy dumb movie but that has stuck with me my entire life i'm not looking for my dream girl because dream girls exist in dreams mm -hmm. that's the only place they exist that's right I, my ideal partner is who i married because she's real she's a real person she's not a dream girl she's in front of me you know I'll tell you my story when i were talking <clears throat> actually i am working kind of was working on the love book and it says Somewhere I've quoted, it says, everyone has three to five serious relationships in their life. Mm -hmm. So I went back, and I'm thinking about girls I dated and everything. My wife is, I told you, the golf course is over here, the cemetery is over here. My wife's 250 yards away over here in the cemetery. My girlfriend's <laughs> 50 yards down the road. <laughs> uh, and they knew each other. Mm-hmm. The girl that I dated in high school, in college, I could have married, mm -hmm. would have married. She was the one that said no, because she knew what she was going to do. She was going to be a school teacher. That was it. I'm in college, and all I could think about was the pizzas and beer and parties, you know. She's gone, one well, does. what are you going to do with your life? I, I don't know. Her name was, I shouldn't say it. Her, <laughs> I, I, well... <laughs> Yeah. Anonymity. Yeah. And, and, and she would say, well, 
you got to do something with your life. Well, I don't know. I'm only 19. What the hell? Yeah, Why do like, I have to make a decision? You know, well, we finally, actually, it was our junior year in college. We came home. And she said, why don't we take some time off this summer? That's the first Ooh. clue, guys. Yeah, yeah that's no yeah. kidding. Time off. There's, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> clue number one, it's over. That's <laughs> right. And uh, when we, we ran around the same gang of people, but all the summer we were together and not together and stuff. And mm-hmm. She met this guy late summer that graduated from college and going to be an engineer. And that was, that was it. it. Yeah. Uh, they ended up getting married uh, two years later and a divorce two years after that. And uh, now, this is 57, 58, 59, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. She uh, she just died, just passed away in Arizona. Wanted to be come back here to be with her parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, this friend of her, she had very few friends out there. Um, one family with the kids that whacked the gal called her aunt. So she called me and she said, well, I need help. I said, what? She said, well, Diane's passed and she wanted to come back. And I said, well, oh, yeah, I'll help you. Well, I said, I'll get a hold of the funeral. I'm the guy I know when you look at this. Any long story short, she calls me and she said, and I have a note here that Diane gave me. Okay. <laughs> she said she would like you to do the ceremony. I said, uh, I'm not a minister. I said, she just said she would like you to read some prayers. And we, we remained good friends all the years. We communicated. Mm-hmm. And my wife knew her well, too. And anyway, kind of touched me, you know. I, yeah. Well, I do. A, I call my friend. I'm Catholic. Call my friend the priest. Yeah. And up in. I said, hey, Father, I got I need some prayers. He said, well, go to this place on the Go on the Internet, you know, to homily.com as I call it, call it where, you, where they get their homilies. Homily.com. <laughs> oh, yeah, every, every time he does a homily, and then after mass, I go up and say, hey, nice of you found there on homily.com, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, I, I actually, uh, I actually, besides mm. writing a book, writing a, writing Blue to the Box and writing a novel, I'm now a minister, too. So. Oh, no, there you go. Well, not really. But, <laughs> but again, that kind of touched me, and, mm. you know, and I walk, I take, that's where I walked in the cemetery. Walk by them both every day. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, I walk by my wife and my stones there, you know, with her name on it and my name's on it. My birthday kind of look like this to make sure the other date's not on there yet. I know, I know when I do that, God and she both laugh and say, Hey, you'll never know. We only know. Just keep going, you know. Not yet, big dog. That's right. That's right. So that's my life. Just keep well, going. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's beautiful that you keep a, a comedic sense about yeah. it, you know, um, referencing that lady earlier, you know, who was upset about your wife's last words of see you in church, you know, yeah. it, life's just too short or too long or however you want to look at it, well, you know, yeah. a flash in the pan, you know, you, you have to laugh, you have yeah. to have fun with it. Well, like my mom said earlier in the chat over here, she said, life is for the living, so get out there and live. And so yeah. do your best to just get out there and live your life while you're still here and worry about the rest of it later whenever the time comes. That's right. That's right. Again, I uh, was I was born raised Catholic, went to Catholic, mm-hmm. went to parochial school. In fact, I always tell everybody when I was writing the book, Balloon in a Box, that 
I didn't pay attention to English class when I was in college or when I was in high school, so, and I can't spell, so the biggest word in the book is the word Catholic, because after eight years of parochial school, I did learn how to spell Catholic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, just, so many things have happened. Like I said, I, I wasn't a bad person before, and I, I was a Christian, I mean, Catholic, I I was an okay Catholic, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm much better now. My wife was very good. Well, converts always are, you know. Yeah, <laughs> converts are always the Catholic most Catholic converts are much better than Catholic, you know, born Catholic. <laughs> um, I'm better, so much better now. So much. I, I, I kind of say, back tonight, I get ready to go to bed, and I say, well, Joyce, how the hell did I do today, you know? <laughs> there you go. Yep. And, uh, and, I, and I want Jesus, uh, you know, uh, me the thumbs up, there's thumbs down. Did I do what you wanted me to do today, or did I was I a jerk? You know, that's all yeah. I need. Just give me one of these, you know. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the way I live my life. Uh, um, don't. Yeah, I get angry and say that. There are people that I don't care for, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I try to be kind to everyone, even though they're a jerk. Yeah. They. I find opposite. I just kind of say, I feel sorry for them because they're a jerk. I don't get angry with them because they're a jerk. I feel sorry for them because they're a jerk. I feel sorry for them that they don't know what I know or what mm-hmm. I feel or what I want to do or what they should be. You know, don't don't go through life, like he said, you know, in the, in the misery. Uh, don't go through the th- life and mad all the time. Um, I've got a family situation that uh, uh, well not my family a friend's family um, and then he's telling me about his brother and their wife and how they're doing and what they're doing they're yelling at each other all the time all that stuff and I said God and she's I, I said they're both such nice people I know them they're both such nice people he said yeah but you ought to be around them when they're you know when they when they don't know you're around <laughs> you know yeah said, oh yeah we go out to dinner together they're great but he said I swear to you in the car Back to get home, she's going to be yelling at him all the way until he goes to, until he falls asleep that night. You know, <laughs> so, I'm thinking, my God, how can you go? We got to be miserable, you know. And I, I think that's the right response. That not enough people, maybe in our culture as a whole, have. You know, when when you look at someone who is so angry, you know, cuts you off in traffic, or you know, is flipping you off on the road, or or whatever, you know that. That's not, that can't be a fun existence to go through. No. You know, that, that can't be a fun life to live. And, and you're missing out on so much that's right in front of you. You know, this is all so beautiful. The, the, the idea that we're all here existing together, you know, just the fact that we're living and breathing and our heart's still beating and the sun's still shining. You know, that, you that's it. all so much to be grateful for just right there. You got and it. to get, to get wrapped up in the small stuff, it's just not worth it. No. You know, it's just not not no. worth it. I, I'm a happy person. I, yes, I lost my wife. And yes, it's tough. But we had all the memories. We had all the things. So, and we had we had 58 years together. So, thank you, God. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to add more, but it didn't work out. So, move on. Move on. Yeah. Move on with your life and do do some good with your life. You know. Yeah. And this again, like I said, all happened by accident. This was my has become my opportunity to share my feelings and help some people. Well, what I hope is that when I talk in front of a group, that 
when I'm done. If they're grieving, if they're on a grief journey, we call it a love journey, right? Mm-hmm. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can't end it for them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be forever. But maybe I, what I say and what I've done, I can smooth it out a little. Maybe that road doesn't have so many bumps and potholes. Maybe it's a smoother journey of love. Particularly if you think about the love rather than the grief. Don't think about the loneliness. Think about the love that you had, the lovely things that you did in those things. And that's and and I say that in and every once in a while I feel like I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Okay? Because then I sit here on a Saturday night or something and I, I start feeling sorry for myself and lonely, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm hmm. supposed to be the guy that I'm mean, I'm the guy that's smiling and laughing, but all of a sudden I'm not. And I and then I have to do something. I have to write a book or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's just start, that's start just feeling that way to write a book, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that's just human though. We all get that. It's, I'm you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I'm at however many years I am two years now removed from my divorce and I live alone with me and the dog right now and there are days, you know, where you come home and you're like, dang, pretty empty in here. But are you dating? Uh, in and out, yeah. Um, I had a um uh, a girlfriend for a little while. Uh, we were long distance, and that we were we've been we were dating off and on for for about a year, uh, and and then very recently we both kind of sat down and had a talk, and it didn't end. It didn't start as a talk to where we were gonna end our relationship. We're still really good friends right now. I mean, I would still consider her one of my best friends, <clears throat> um, but we just you know, took stock of where we were at. We're like, this long distance thing is just taking too much of a toll on the both of us right now. So, you know, people have asked me now, well, are you dating? Are you doing? No, I I have some female friends looking for another wife. Yes. I enjoy going out to dinner with a gal and sitting and talking to a woman. There's a couple nice ladies that I know. Um, I have a, I live in a condominium and villa complex of 53 units, and probably 32 of them are widows, so mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody laughs because uh, at 4.30 on, in the afternoon uh, at Tom Rose's, it's cocktail hour, you know, <laughs> and a bottle of wine comes out and the cheese and crackers. And uh, it's either in the fireplace in the winter or on the deck in the summer. So um, I have a couple gals that come by and they sit and we talk. And, you know, uh, I went to the movie with a gal and uh, we just both wanted to see Man Called Otto. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Mm. Uh, have you seen it? No, I have not. I have, I have seen the ads for it and it looks oh, very interesting. Oh, I, go take your wife, go see it. Take your wife and go see it. Tom. And then you'll, understand what you were just talking about what you told her about she has to go first <laughs> yeah go first. Yo, take to the movie tom, tom hanks, hanks is fantastic in it tom hanks is one of my mom's favorite actors and de facto is one of my favorite actors as well um i've son, heard son, the I've heard the reviews. I know i'm gonna cry which is maybe part of internally why i know is. that i haven't gone in to see it yet you're gonna laugh, but then you're gonna laugh yeah. And you're going to cry again. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I it's on the I really list. I enjoyed that movie. Well, yeah, we, we were a bunch of people in, 
a dinner party. I think there were about eight or ten people there, and this gal, somebody said something about the movie. I said, yeah, I want to go see that. And she said, so do I. And I said, well, let's go. So well, she's funny anyway. She told me when we came back from the movie, we pulled in a driveway. She said, you want to shake the neighborhood up? And I said, what's that? She said, just leave your car in the driveway and walk home. Just leave it here overnight. That was my On Saturday morning, uh, there's a couple shops about, oh, there's a place called Grandma's. There's they dump chocolates and, and spices and all this kind of stuff. I go there and, and at a, the butcher shop and stuff. And I said something about going down to this community. And this gal says, I've never been to that. And I said, you want to go? I'm going tomorrow morning. She said, yeah. I said, well, I'll pick you up at 9.30. She lives about four houses from me. It's a Saturday morning. Everybody said, I pick her up. Pick her. We go to three places, stores. We're back by 11 o'clock. They had us married, dating, you know. <laughs> I get a call from, from friends at the golf course. She says, I understand you had a date this morning. What the hell are you talking about? I went to the grocery store. You know, <laughs> so, you know I, I, I'm not saying never. But, Right. That's the dumb word to say. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I'm 82. I don't. I just need. I just need friends. Yeah. I just need people to talk to. That's the. Let me talk about the griever. There's a quote that says. Griever needs three things. They need. And the words, say the words, know those words have been heard. Mm-hmm. That's all they need. You're talking earlier too. I, I, a quotation that I like is about grief is. Uh, Bishop Sheen said. Uh, See if I get this right. Sometimes God has to break a heart to get into it. Mm. That's what he did with me. He broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Like a thousand pieces, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't put it back together. You can't put that one, yeah. Uh, but, but he got into it. Really got into it. And surprised me, but it happened. Uh, if I hadn't written a book... If I hadn't have done my journal notes, if my friend hadn't pushed me into writing the book, um, I wouldn't be talking to you guys. And who knows what I'd be doing. Uh, I wouldn't have written the novel. And one of the other things that's really neat about what's going on here is I have a son who's 58 years old, maybe 59 or 58. Anyway, approximately 58 years old, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. He's driving me now, wants to go with me, and he's doing my introduction. Um, as he says, he's driving Mr. Daisy. He always tells him. <laughs> he does a real nice introduction. So we're spending time together. Um, and it's hour to hour drive, hour drive, whatever we do. Mm-hmm. Um, back and forth. And we usually go out to eat on the way back or something like that. And so I'm spending a lot of time with my son. At 82, I'm getting to spend time with my 58-year-old son. And that's, that's precious. Absolutely. Really it really is. We we've learned to, you know, we we're, we were in business together. We spent a lot of time together, but it was business time. It was, yeah, we're sharing a lot of things we never shared before. Mm. We, we didn't mm-hmm. have time, you know. We weren't. Yeah. We if he came, we both work out of houses here. We're like four doors apart. Our business, but if he came here, I went there. We sat. We talked about business. We did things. More. We were with the rest of the family, my granddaughter, and everybody else. Just the two of us. No, really, just you know. And, and talking about things that, you know, fathers and sons um, that probably never talk about, so. Well, and uh, he lost his mom, too, you know, yeah. so. That's what yeah. he said. And, and, and he was an only child. Mm. 
Oh, he was mama's boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were very close. They were closer than, uh, they were, uh, until now, they were closer than he and I. Because uh, he'd, he'd ask her things that he didn't ask me. You know? yeah. Yeah. And I she'd do the same him, thing with my mom right now. He'd tell him things that I wouldn't tell him, you know? Yeah. They, yeah. Had, they had a real close relationship. Ours has developed now to that, too, you know? Yeah, I'm the eldest of three, and I'm still that way with my mom. <laughs> I'm a you huge, I'm a huge mama's boy. She and knows you it. Be. You should be, you should be. I unfortunately, unfortunately, again, I probably wasn't with my mom. I was probably closer to my dad. Uh, again, uh, two sisters, and my dad and I seemed to do things because we had to with three women in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. we wanted it. A little outbit, little outnumbered right there. The boys had to band That's together. Right. Hey, 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 let's go to the ball game together and get away from these girls. So, okay, okay. <laughs> it was a fun thing, you know, do so. Yeah. It's life now. Life in the little, uh, little city, little town. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it, it doesn't sound, uh, it sounds like a, a, a great life, honestly. Um, you and your son bonding together. You're sharing your story. Um, you're helping people. Um, figure out how to process their grief and through your story and yes it all came about from you know just the the worst event <laughs> the saddest event but um i i truly i think it's 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 beautiful um that you've been able to take that and and help people yeah beyond beautiful beyond beautiful yeah i I, and I always like to think of it's easy to take something malleable and make it beautiful but to take something that's broken and shattered on the floor and to put it back together and make it beautiful that's very special that's that's a special experience it it, it is it is and like i said before i'm thinking Good things in my life have been by accident, mm. not by plan. Accident, beat my wife in the first place, Al. Well, that when we did the, the cooking thing on, we were on Fox Television for 13 years cooking. Mm -hmm. It was a total accident we ever got on to start with. The uh, reason was that I like, I like to cook on the weekends and uh, some, my sister bought me a wok, and one weekend I cooked in a wok and got into cooking Chinese and had a friend that liked to do the same thing. We couples, we'd get together on weekends. And uh, so I told him, I said, hey, you know, yeah, try cooking woks. We'd go back and forth. And then his wife uh, was with the YWCA, and she, she uh, got us to teach a cooking class at the Y, which we took as a challenge. And... <laughs> And uh, figured we'd do it once, and that'd be it. Well, keep people keep wanting us to do it. Mm. We, he and I did about a dozen of them. And then he retired to Florida, and they kept wanting it, so I got my wife to do it. And there it went. Long story short, my kid talks to know somebody at Fox, and a lady says, "Well, I'm gonna have your parents come on and talk about, you know, what we'd written one of the cookbooks by then, talk about their cookbook and cooking." So we go on, and we're on the way. Well, actually, we we're back home. The phone rang, and it was the producer of the show, and said. You come back once a month, and I said we could do that. Back once a month, and then it was once a week, and for thirteen years, <laughs> only by accident. <laughs> it's amazing. 
you know. So, and the next thing I know, I'm writing a book called Balloon in a Box. Mm-hmm. And by accident, I'm speaking to people and doing podcasts and radio and all this stuff. I just um, I'm certainly glad that you're here today. It's been a fantastic conversation, and thank you. I've, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly it's been a great enjoyed it, and I'm also very excited because I think this is about the time that we can. It's been a couple of weeks, but we can finally ask the question that we have been asking uh, all of our podcast guests, except for the the last couple, because it really didn't fit with who we had it on. Um, but this is Alex's question. Um, he likes asking it to everybody, and I keep kind of a running mental tally of everybody's answers, uh, and 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 kind of see who's who's I like the best. But uh, I'll let Alex ask you this question. But it's it's very fitting for for where we're at, what we talked about. For everybody that listens weekly, I apologize because it's broken record time. But um, I've asked every guest we've had for the most part um, this question, and doesn't matter who we have on or necessarily why we're interviewing them. All of the responses have been so amazing and it's an extremely loaded question. So I apologize in advance. Um, it can be, the answer can be two sentences or it can be a paragraph, whatever you prefer. Um, when you think about why we're here as humans, as the creations that we are on earth, uh, what do you think our goal should be? Why do you think we're here? What what what's the objective? Why are we here? What's our goal as as a people, as a as a humanity? I suppose. Well, you do have loaded questions. Don't I know. <laughs> I say, and I uh, that's that's been the response of almost every single person. Everyone's you, first sentence is like, "Poof, that was loaded." Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you sit a long time to think this up? When no, it takes time. You're like, how do you feel today? Or you know, you're like, <laughs> no. Right Honestly, it uh, it spurred from the very first interview we did, and the conversation just kind of led there. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm gonna ask everybody that comes on here this question, um, because the responses have been so beautiful, and all kind of have the same. Yeah. And I, I, I can almost, obviously, I don't know exactly what you're going to say, but I feel like I could take a pretty good stab in the dark and be kind of close. Um, because it doesn't matter if it's atheist or religious or 12 years in jail or a woman that uh, makes, makes bone jewelry, jewelry out of <laughs> bones or, you know, what it, it's all been so similar, regardless of religious views or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it's been. It's been very heartening, to say the least, because we're all a lot more similar than I feel like um, some would lead us to believe, um, regardless of those backgrounds. So that's that's kind of where it sparked from. Okay. I'll start. And if, if the first part of your question would have been, who are you? The answer would have been his, mm. his creation. Knowing that, then, if you are the creator, if you build something or make something, 
you make it with a purpose. And uh, again, taking the religious thing because that's what I know now, that's what's in my brain. And it's pretty obvious then um, it's to serve him and to be good person that he wants me to be, that he wants us to be, and to follow in the steps of his son. Can't heal, and I can't, you know, pull miracles. I can't help heal and help people understand. And so, yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's my answer. Pretty simple. It's simple, yes. but, but great. Created, and... He created me, so he, and he, you know, that's, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's I simple. Have, five years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, simple, but you know, profound at the same time, and yet also yeah. still similar to the other answers. It's not profound received. because other people said the same thing I'm saying. Well, I'm just repeating. You know? I, I, no, I wouldn't go that far. I still, I, I'll still say it's profound. But for me, because it's like sometimes, you know, for at least in my experience, some of the most profound things I've heard in life have been some of the simplestly, simply said things. Yeah. Uh, when somebody asked me a question like that, and I wish I could come up with an answer like that. When I was college, uh, philosophy professor, remember the blue book? You have the blue book in college? You had to write the essay in? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We get to go into the classroom, we get the blue book, and uh, when I said, okay, when, when I tell you, open it up and you write the answer to the question. And the question was W-H-Y question mark. Hmm. And wrote, <laughs> I was mad and angry, I tried to one thing. I thought I'd be a smart aleck, and I wrote, because. <laughs> I mean... That's a an good a. answer. I got an a. A. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, good you answer. Did. People wrote pages and pages, you know. Tom wrote guys, one word and said, see ya. I can't remember. And some girl wrote two or three words and basically the same thing I said. We both got A's. And I went back into class that day. I'll never forget. And he's passing the books out. And he said, upside down on your desk, you know. He says, now he said, when I talk and call your name, you'll turn your book over and look at your grade. I'm thinking, oh, I failed this class, you know, being a smart like I didn't like to write, you know, being a smart aleck. Well, then called my name and turned over. I went, oh, ah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> said, now read your, read your answer. Got booze. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got an A. <laughs> yeah. Being a smart aleck. You know? Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> That's right. And I. Those, um, he's a, all these things in my life, accidents. See, that was an accident. I was being a smart aleck and mm-hmm. you know, because and ended up getting an A in a class. And I, I think one thing that you said that is maybe more profound than you realize it is, even if it is repeated, is that a creator doesn't create something without a purpose. Um, and and I think regardless of what your views are or uh, of who is the creator, how we got here, I, I, we were created by something or someone. 
and there's and a purpose behind it. There, there must be, unless this is a total cosmic accident, which, which I think, if you just look into the sheer statistics and the the odds of that happening are are very, 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 very slim to none. Look at the human body. <laughs> what? And again, I apologize for people who have listened to this podcast for a long time, but I had a philosophy teacher explain to me the odds of all of this happening are our universe, our galaxy, however you want to, however wide you want to blow up the scope would be if you disassembled a, a standard common wristwatch. If we took my wristwatch and took every gear and every piece apart and we disassembled it down into every gear and every part, and we put it into a standard size shoebox. And then we shook that shoebox for exactly one million years. And we just continued to shake one million years. The odds of our universe coming out the exact way that it is would be the same exact odds, maybe not same exact, but very similar odds as to this wristwatch being completely put back together and assembled just the way that it was before it was disassembled. And I'm not a math guy, but just speaking statistics wise, that's the the odds are pretty rare. I mean, again, impossible. So once again, whoever you want to call it, Buddha, Christ, God, creator, X, tree, whatever, alpha, omega, whatever you want to say, there's a purpose to us being here. I, I think that we can all pretty much agree on at this point in time. And once again, the responses to that question all having very similar connotation in the sense that we're all here to just try to be as good as we can to others and to try to love as many other people as possible. I you know, go, go find the guy that I, I wish I could find it, read about it. It's a, he's a scientist. Uh, and he claims that studying the brain, mm-hmm. we are hardwired, believe, and a higher power, creator, higher power, something. Hundred yeah. percent. Brain, our brain is hardwired to do that. Yeah, yeah. Because Hub- I talk. Huberman to talks about it a lot. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a lot of them. But anyway, yeah. yeah no, people I'm, that I'm with you. I even I'll say that even that people that claim they're atheists, there's they there's something. They always say that there's it's not God, but there's always some higher power. It's it's and, yeah. and I heard somebody say the other day, uh a Christian lady uh, was talking about someone who's an atheist and she said she said maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right. But I'm if I'm right, then I, I'm going to go to that place. Um, if I'm wrong, I just die, and that's it. Which is the atheist was trying to talk. No, you just die, and that's it. It's over with. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to believe that because I don't want to believe it's over with. She said, "If it, if it is that, if I am wrong, then it's that's it." Oh, what does it hurt me to believe that there's to do something all else. the things? Do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's me. And if uh, you ever want to listen to another one of our podcasts, uh, our near-death survivor um, podcast, I think you would find a lot of joy in listening to that lady speak. Yeah, it it changed Alex and I's mind on a lot of things. Uh, Opened our minds up to a lot of stuff. It's um, 
yeah it was a good it was a great episode it was a great episode yeah. uh, um but with go that ahead. oh go ahead tom go ahead no, 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 you go ahead. I was about to wrap I'm up. Just so gonna say, I'm just going to say, you guys get a ready to wrap up. I'm just saying, I'm just going to say, it's been a, another one of my great experiences. It's an accident mm. by that book. Book got me all these, I don't, you know, got guys like you all over it. I love it, you know. Yeah, and I, um, yeah, I was just going to say, I, um, like Alex said earlier, I'm so happy that you took the time to talk to us tonight. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you so much and, and uh, hearing your story and then, I also really enjoyed the empathy that I could share with you, even though our experiences um, were definitely not the same, but the similarities between them, um, it was, it was really neat and really nice to, to hear. Um, so to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to, to talk with us this evening. You're so welcome. So Alex, welcome. you got any save rounds? No, I, I don't. Um, other than, uh, last week we interviewed a, a gentleman, very nice gentleman, um, from a, a popular. He's a popular hip hop artist, and I, I love all of our interviews. Um, I have enjoyed this so thoroughly. Um, I've I've really really enjoyed this, Tom. So thank you, thank you thank very you. very much. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, once again, after this interview, I will walk away with just a little bit of a different perception mm -hmm. on on life and how it all happens. And uh, I can't thank you enough for it. Exactly. Me and too. if if we ever take this show on the road, there will be a stop in Indiana. Okay. I can tell you that okay. for sure. <laughs> oh, I am. I may be with the big speakers bureau, and I may be going around the country now. And I get your way, I'll come see you too. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> Wherever you end up, I'm a I'm a I'm a plane ride away, and I'll go wherever Alex oh, yeah. is. So I'll get there. But okay, guys, thanks right. a lot. Thank you so much, Tom. Good night. All right, good thanks, night. Thanks, Tom. There he goes. Good, good out. Woo, man. What a what an interview. What an interview. I God, I love that. That was great. I, was, I think I'm. I think I made it ten or fifteen minutes before I started crying. Yeah, I saw the tissues come out. <laughs> oh, dude, uh, I, I, I'm not just making it up. I tell Kristen all the time, you can't, you can't go before me because I, I can't, can't yeah. do it. I, I, uh, I would just be too much. One day I will, I will find that again. But yes, until then, we out will. here living our life, baby. Um, so yeah, you guys uh, out there in the in the YouTube world and. The rest of you that'll hear this later, appreciate you taking the time and hanging out with us and listening to our, our humble podcast. Oh, Love you guys so much. Next, what's up? Yeah, next week. What's up with next week? We have Amanda Collins. Amanda Collins um, is on next week. Is she the, the medium that I've been uh, tried, fucking trying to say is going to be the week after next every other week, or am I wrong again? No, <laughs> I, I had to reschedule William Patrick. He's... he uh. He was the medium. Amanda Collins mm -hmm. is the one okay. with the really uh, hard domestic abuse story. Oh, okay. Probably uh, gonna cry again next Sunday. Okay, um, got that. But yeah, um, you guys don't don't want to miss that one because that's gonna be um, another really. Here's your preface, your trigger warning, and your warning to buckle up for next week. Well, it's it's kind of another story about taking something broken and making it beautiful, you know, which which I wasn't again 
just saying because Tom was here that uh, you yeah. know that 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 there is a lot of beauty in that. No, oh, for um, sure. There there is a lot of beauty in in taking something that's really awful and and turning it into something that's beautiful, and that's another story. Uh, I don't want to give too much of it away, but that's just right. what I'll say. All right. Well, that's what you got to look forward to next week, everybody. Um, but with that, we will leave you for this week. Um, damn, yes. we, uh, it's a long episode. We went an hour and 45. So I know. So I just heard our sushi get delivered upstairs. Take this one on the road on a road trip with you. Uh, while you're out and about. But anyways, Alex has got sushi here. I've got other things I got to go do. And uh, we will see you guys next week. And yes. as always, make sure that you tell somebody you love them. And Tom, if you're still listening at this point in time, if you go back and re-listening, re-listen, or if you're still listening, hey, Tom, I love you, man. Thanks you, so Tom. much for being on. Love you very much. Love all of you guys. See you next week. See you next week. Love you guys. Peace.